Electronic walkabout. No one should have to walk through life alone. We share good times, bad times, and the best of times. Everyone needs a little direction now and again. Let TC and Wilkie show you the way. A podcast where we talk about the important things in life. Come journey with us. Electronic walkabout. Hello, this is your host TC, and together with Wilkie, we welcome you to another episode of eWalkabout a podcast where we talk about the important things in life. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Be Walk About. Join us as we travel with a good friend who can't help but inspire you. James Bergen is our guest. Wilkie and I first met James through football and, not surprisingly, coaching. James' story is not only about football. He has taken his passion for helping kids to extraordinary levels. You are truly in for an inspirational treat during this episode. But first, as always, a good news story. Wilkie, you have the helm. TC, thanks. Um, so this one, as, as you know, this week the NHL draft was held, and the number one pick went to a kid, local kid, Connor Bedard from North Vancouver. And it's just everything you see about this kid is uh, he's just so humble. He could have been like the biggest jerk growing up and acting all high and mighty, but everything you see from his interview after the World Juniors this year where he didn't want to talk about himself, he wanted to talk about his team. And it, it just looks like his parents raised him right, and I'm really excited to see this kid play, even though he's going to play for Chicago. But uh, I'm really excited to see this kid play, and it's nice to see a humble a humble beginning to this kid. If that's not true Canadian, what is? Yeah, and I'll tell you this, I can't wait to see him play hockey as well. Yeah. And even though he's small, he is quick and he's got the skills. He has an NHL shot right now. Yeah, there you go. So that is a great news story, and thank you, right? Well, good morning, James. Uh, How are you doing this morning? Very well, thank you. TC. And I I just want to say, I just want to congratulate Tyler on his his commitment to the University of Alberta football program. I know watching him grow up on the field has been something, and now to see him at this level is truly something special, and you must be truly proud of him. It's exciting. It's uh, overwhelming. Um, as a parent, you know, you kind of drive the bus for your kids till they get to a certain point and then they're on their own. Then they, they take the helm and, and sometimes make good, sometimes make bad decisions. But, um, you know, I try and speak humbly about Tyler, but I'm so proud of him. And he himself is just a, he loves the game. He is a good kid. And his hard work is actually starting to pay off now. It always has, but you know what I mean? Like to actually get something like that so uh, his mom and I and all his brothers are just beyond proud of him and uh, we're excited for him to take his skills to the next level but in the same breath he's going in there realizing he's not going to play for the first year right he's just going to learn he's going to get himself bigger because there's he thought he was big going in there and then we got there for his camp and he was a little fella on the line so uh, so it's nice. Uh, he's going in there with the right attitude. And, you know, some of the benefits, my dad lives in Edmonton, so he's going to live with grandpa. So they'll have a little bit of comfort of family there. But uh, yeah, very exciting. That's awesome. And it is awesome. And knowing Tyler as well as I do, he is, he is such a gentle, I'll call it, he's going to end up being a gentle giant. Mm-hmm. He'll be an animal on the field, but that, that kid's got a lot of personality and a lot of potential for success. So well done, mom and dad. Well, right. thank you. It's, uh, yeah, he did the work. We are just the... the the guiding light of you. <laughs> yeah, good to see. First question for you. Who is Mad Dog Perkins? <clears throat> Mad Dog. So that moniker came, I think you alluded to. I've always, anything I've done has had something to do involving kids, whether it's coaching. But from that, I wanted to have a bigger impact and, and you know, 
of me and a couple of buddies, we were talking, we were ride Harleys and it was, uh, we wanted to do something more. So there was a, an organization called Bikers Against Child Abuse or BACA. So we're like, you know what, let's put our money where the mouth is. And this isn't about raising money. This is about being there in person for these kids, and, you know, taking them to court and giving them the confidence that they need to stand up against their, um, the people who abuse them. So that's where Mad Dog came from. It was a road name, a moniker, and it was a character. So when I was uh, part of Baca, I was Mad Dog. I was president of the chapter. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, we didn't ever tell the kids our real name. So everybody had a real name. So, right. yeah. um, so it was pretty cool. And, and they got to know me as Mad Dog, and that was it. So, you know, when you're sitting in court and you've got, you know, all these people behind you, like, you know, mad dog biking, all this stuff, like big town, these kids, these kids that the, the power that they need uh, to stand up and say what they need. So it was a, it was a phenomenal experience, but that's how mad dog came to light. And I've always just wanted to look out for kids. So personally, I carry that. Uh, I don't really shout that name out too much anymore, but that's, uh, you know, that's where that's evolved from. Yeah. And, and, and truly thank, thank you for you and your, your group to go ahead and do that because I know how difficult that might be for those people that are being abused to deal with and to have that kind of support. It's just fantastic. So thank you very much for doing that. Yeah, no, it was, it was our pleasure and we did it. Uh, it was all for the kids. That's it. It was just, if anything we had done, it always was focused on the kids and, and to see them come out of those court cases and just, you know, puppy chest like they did something that that was the, the end result and that's what gave us the kind of the fuel to carry on with that organization that's awesome you gave those kids a voice yep that's yeah. fantastic that's, uh, you know it, <laughs> it was something to be seen too we had one case and there was 60 of us that showed up on our bike to this kid's house to to take her to court so she rode on the back of my bike but i had 30 bikes in front of me and 28 29 behind me it was like a presidential uh, reception (laughs) and she just you know the last thing on her mind was being worried about you know testifying she was so in the moment of just like look at all my friends and they're taking me and they they're going to protect me so to go through something like that is good but on the flip side it took its toll on the father of four and to hear a lot of the stuff that's happened you know I, i was in for two and a half years and it got to a point i just for my own mental well-being i knew when it was time because mm-hmm. it was really starting to affect me so so I, I graciously bowed out and made sure that the organization could continue on running but uh it's still up and running uh, hawks uh, the president there he's doing a great job and they're still helping the kids to this day so oh fantastic and again thank you so much that, yeah. that really means a lot to us for sure Thanks. right so but when you're not Mad Dog, mm-hmm. when you're no longer Mad Dog, <laughs> you're you're actually you, you're a man of vision. And the reason why I say that, you're the founder of the Muay Thai school here in Chilliwack. Correct. There was no there was no school before you. No. No. So how did that happen? How did this vision come to be? Right. So that was a you know what I think that one all boiled down from frustration. I first started in Muay Thai when I was in my mid thirties, and I did it with my older two boys. It was something that I wanted to do with them. You know, it was an event. And I had some friends that were uh, fighters and, and, you know, trainers and that sort of stuff. And it was always good. Come on down. Come on down. I just never had time. So when I did make time, it was something that we started, uh, me and the two boys. And then they eventually were like, oh, okay, it's a hard workout. Uh, Then I found I was doing it by myself and I just carried on. And just the passion for that martial art and what it brought and what I witnessed at the, the, uh, the gym that I was training at was like nothing other. So. 
when we moved to BC and then out to Chilliwack, there was nothing out here. And I just got so frustrated. And I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to, I'm going to open this. And it's not, it wasn't about me saying, come train with me. I'm the best in the world. It was more trying to bring in other people to facilitate and, and, and offer the best experience possible. So that's, that's kind of how that thing started. Wow. I just say, wow, because when all the time I see someone that basically just has the vision and takes that action and brings it to life and brings it to life at a high level, that's truly impressive for people that don't know what uh, Muay Thai is. uh, What is it and where does it come from and and how does that work in your gym? So it is the uh, national sports slash martial art of Thailand. It's uh, nicknamed the art of eight limbs because uh, you're able to punch, kick, elbow and knee. Um, so it is a, a fairly violent martial art at its uh, at its core, but uh, in the same breath, the uh, teach and just the sport in general holds in very high regard, respect and discipline. So it's um, something that has just evolved, and and you know it is a it's a great way to empower young kids as well. That was the other reasoning. I still wanted to help out kids. It was like, okay, well, I empowered kids before by taking them to court. Now, what's the next step for that? Because I was done with that chapter. So on top of just the frustration of not having anywhere to train in the Valley, um, it was like, you know what? They put together a pretty good kids program. I've coached lots. I just, I love helping them. So then it flipped into this whole thing where kids were coming in that had been bullied. And, you know, it's, uh, I've always had the, the mindset that uh, kids that train martial arts don't get bullied. So, uh, you know, it's more from uh, being able to stand up for themselves. You know, there's some strict rules at our school where if you, you know, take what you've learned and apply it outside of the school in the wrong way, you'll never be allowed to step foot back in. So it's, it's a balance of, of, of good kids uh, with martial arts training, and then that just gives them the confidence to take over the world. Another outlet. Like, right. not every kid's made to play baseball or football or rugby. And they have a skill and they want to utilize something. And now you're giving another outlet for somebody else to, to take on. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and the biggest seller for me on it was that uh, my eldest son was slightly smaller of stature. He wasn't a, a large guy, but in uh, grade nine, when he you know, first started, uh, that summer that he immersed himself in the martial art, he was a, a self-proclaimed nerd in, in junior yeah. high, which is fine. And, but when he went into grade 10, he had a different confidence to himself. He was just like, you know, okay, yeah, I might be a little bit shorter, but yeah. I can take care of myself if need be. And yeah. thankfully, he never had to use it. But I just, in seeing it in my own child in a different setting, it was like, uh, this could be applied to anybody. So it was uh, that was another kind of reassuring factor that I kind of knew what the outcome was if it was done right. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm a firm believer in athletics, no matter what it is, because I believe it keeps kids off the street. Absolutely. Keeps them focused. Whether it's team sport or individual sport, it yeah. gives them something to strive for. As soon as they get that taste and they like it, then, yeah. then they commit themselves. It's not the parents having to push them to it or drag them to practice or whatever the case may be. So for them to drive that bus, that's where the success comes. Yeah. How did you become involved in this martial art? Yeah, it was, um, I always, all through playing hockey, I was always the enforcer guy. Like I always fought on ice, but it wasn't out of maliciousness. I just liked the art of fighting per se. Hockey was obviously different. (laughs) I had great balance all through um, my hockey career, if you will. I played right up in junior in in Calgary. But then it just got to a point where it's like, man, I'm 18 now, I'm playing junior C. I just got called up to junior B and, I'm like, oh man, there's registration fees. And I'm like, yeah, this is expensive to fight, right? So, <laughs> so it kind of packed in the hockey side of it. But but I still, I love that, the fighting aspect of it. 
You know, the, the unfortunate thing is I found Muay Thai way too late. <laughs> I was, you know, oh, really? I, I, yeah. just watching the commitment and the, the dedication for the fighters and what they had to put in, there was just no human way possible I could ever put that much time in. I had, you know, two, three, almost four kids at that time. So it was just that ship had sailed. So, mm-hmm. um, but I absolutely respect it. I don't ever try to pretend to be something I'm not. Like, I'm not the fighter. I'm not the guy that's been in the ring and had, you know, matches all over the world. That's not me. I'm bringing the vision to life and being able to offer a pathway for people if they want it. That's why I brought on uh, my, my partner, Jason Fenton. He is the, the fighting aspect. He's a two-time <laughs> world champ. He's had 57 fights all over the world. So, you know, he legitimizes everything. He's truly the, the kind of uh, the driver of everything more tied with us. And with my kind of vision and the business side of it, it's just been a kind of perfect partnership that way. So. For me, my question to you is, I, I recently started run training again, and I've never been a gym rat, but I started working out like consistently now, finally, because I find for me, it helps with my attitude, mm-hmm. my mental health. Yep. I, I'm happier, I'm healthier, I feel great. Is that why you went into it? Yeah, you mentioned fighting and hockey, and that, that's that's going to be tough, but like, it doesn't give you that release, so yeah, you feel a lot, <laughs> lot better. Like your mental health is your crystal clear. Like what does it do for you? Yeah. Mentally when, when you're training, it is an absolute release because, um, you know, very rarely is it okay to punch and kick things. Right? <laughs> so, you know, in this sport it's demanded. Yeah. So the age is catching up to me. I don't definitely train not anywhere near or currently yeah. <laughs> used to, but, yeah, yeah. um, but my wife would get to the point where she'd know if I hadn't gone and she's like, you need to get out of here and go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Point taken. And you have that release. And I see that in people today, like they come in and, you know, especially going through the last few years and just the frustrations right. and restrictions. And you can see the frustration in people. And, and, you know, we also in the same breath, don't teach people that in a time of frustration or anger, you should resort to violence. But if it's, if it's from a training standpoint and you're allowed to have that release, then there's no better way to do it. So, yeah, but yeah, but yeah it, it definitely from a, a mental health standpoint, it, uh, it personally helped me and I just see it helping us as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, that's spark. You mentioned it to help kids and go with you, your own kids and do that. So was that the spark is to do it with your boys? Like the spark that gets you to open the school or was it just so more kids have, have involvement? You know, my boys were always involved in, in sports and, you know, the, the younger two were, you know, one was starting off football and basketball and then uh, Tyler, the youngest was, was football, but yeah, I can honestly say that the opening of the school wasn't really based around them, although they have all kind of participated in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just, it was uh, it was also, you know, a business decision. I was like, I wanted to do something on the side where, you know, I still have full-time employment yeah. uh, Monday to Friday during the days. But outside of that, I dedicated myself 100% to, to this school and the business. And that, that lit a fire for me mm-hmm. on, uh, the, I guess, the creative side or the business drive side. So... Uh, so yeah, so it um, it was frustration of not being able to train. It was wanting to you know challenge myself, and I had failed in business before in Calgary, right. in bankruptcy a couple times when I was younger. Right. You know that's an expensive learning lesson, but I I had it in my brain that I needed to prove to myself that I could own and operate a successful business um, after failing a couple times, and then I finally found my stride with this one. So personally, just proud of myself for that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And and let's let's make sure we put this in the right context. You decide to uh, set your vision in motion 
probably at the worst time. <laughs> and I'm only, I'm only seeing that with respect, with respect to the pandemic. Yep. Because here you are, you've got this vision, you're doing it all for the right reasons, and then literally out of the sky, yeah. the pandemic. Oh, right? I'm, so, I'm not going to lie. It was um, that probably threw me for a loop, I think more than most could kind of account for, because to my previous point, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something properly that I could make it financially viable, that I could make it a, a well-tuned business. And we got it up and running and then the pandemic hit. And that first, sorry, that first shutdown of uh, two and a half months, I can't even describe how it broke my soul. Like I, mm -hmm. I remember going in there and I sat in the gym by myself and I'm okay with saying this and I cried. Yeah. I'm like, for once I did this right and the entire world stopped. And I thought that was the end, but this is it. I just, I, I can't even believe this is happening. But then it kind of, you get a little bit of stubborn and bullishness and I'm like, mm -mm, bring it on. It's fine. <laughs> like I just, you can either let it overtake you or you can stand up to the challenge and pivot and adjust as needed and then continue on. And that's what we did. But man, it was a, it was a tough time, and especially with our sector, right? It really got down to the, the whole respiratory piece. So they cracked down on any type of physical exertion activity uh, you know and especially being indoors and that so it was a it was a challenge i'm so you know thankful that we made it through but who in their mind could ever predict something like that who in their mind is it fair to say though but now that that you've been through that do you get the sense that if if I can make it through that, I yeah. can make it through anything. Absolutely. Yeah. As long as we can put the open sign on, I can pivot around whatever. And I mean, like, you know, we had everything down where all the bags were six feet apart and each kid had a box to train in and we had to reduce our class size to 12 so that, you know, there was the right amount of people. The doors had to be open. We had 15 minutes between each class and the kids went in and out single file one at a time with yeah. spacing. So it was, it was more than militant, but it worked. And I had so many parents say, you know what, we are so thankful that you were able to stay open because our kids would have just lost their minds otherwise. And, and I kept hearing that. And just to your point about mental health and uh, being able to have that outlet, that period of time was beyond crucial and it affected pretty much everybody. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm very proud of our team that we were able to make it through. Well, that's so great because the three of us know a lot of the kids who are in the football program with the Giants or with the high schools here. and those two years really affected a lot. It affected my son. He never went back. He never played again. Well, he did that thing we did in that one spring where we basically practiced all for six months to have one day of games. Well, that's it. Right? And these kids do it out of love for the sport. And, yeah. You know, you see so many scholarship opportunities lost. And yeah. just these kids that were, and, and, you know, to your point, we knew them all. We knew that they would do bigger and better things. Yeah. And then that happens. And, you know, the first year was one thing, then the second year was another. And, yeah. and you know, the, the kids can only kind of hang on and there looks like their dreams are being dashed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, and with Tyler, his timing, I am so thankful and grateful for him personally that his timing happened on the end of it. Right? Yeah. Because, yeah, he, uh, I, there was days that he would just be in the house and he'd angry he's like, oh i'm this football so bad and, yeah you know when these kids have that passion and they can't do it that's when things sometimes go sideways for these kids oh, yeah for sure it's yeah really sad really sad mm -hmm. so back to the school how many students do you have right now give or take right now roughly about 140 in total yeah and we have um you know classes for 
Uh, we have we have a, a Muay Takes class, which is five and six. Muay Takes. Old. <laughs> yes. It is like herding barn cats. But, um, you know, you, there's a way that you kind of teach and motivate and focus kids of that age. Everything's got to be a game. Everything's got to be a fun. And if you over-explain things, they get lost. So that that's an art. But we got though we got kids. We have teens. We have adults. We have a women's only program. Um, so yeah, so we're trying to you know, offer and, and hit every kind of demographic that we can. That's awesome. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's no belt system in Muay Thai, or how? Technically, that no. Like there's a like the other martial arts. Yes, yeah. So Muay Thai standard doesn't. There's some ways that you know different gyms and, and stuff recognize uh, the students. There's preciates or those armbands that you see that kind of represent different colors. Uh, us personally, I was talking with Jason, and we wanted some way to kind of recognize our students, but not have a kind of belt program per se. Um, so we went with a level shirt color. So if you've been there for a year and you're at a certain um, uh, kind of competency, you get your get graduated to yellow shirt after a year and then green and then blue so it's somewhat mirrors uh, a belt system but it's it's not per se and personally um you know we tell people if you're here for your kids to get different belts and badges and stripes you're in the wrong place that is yeah. not what this martial art is about um you know we don't do testing and you know historically with a lot of places they charge people for testing and that's just not what we're about it's like you're here for the love of the martial art and you want to learn it and we will recognize you, but it will come at a time you don't expect it, and you've proven yourself, and then that's where uh, the advancement comes in. So, but, but traditionally, though, there's no belt system. So, what does that recognition look like then? And, and uh, obviously, it would be at different points depending yeah. on the individual, right? Yeah. So. Once, uh, and you know, Jason obviously is the, the overarching head of our Muay Thai program. He's the one that you know determines where people are at in the training. You know, if he sees, and it goes beyond just a skill set. It's an attitude, like showing up to every class. You know, if you're quiet and you're listening and you're not causing disturbance, you know, if you're really applying yourself and, um, you know, that's that's when it's like, okay, so it's usually about every six months, we'll just kind of sit down and throw some names off and see where they're at. And it comes right out of the blue. And I got to start recording these kids and even adults' faces because they never expect it. We just kind of put the shirt in our hoodie and come out and start class. <laughs> and then we're like, you know, before we start class, we're recognizing an individual who's done well and trained with us. And and then you see their name and it is just the, the shock and awe in their face. Yeah. That to us means that they're there for the right reason. They weren't expecting it, but they are so appreciative when they do get it. And then we tell them, okay, go change your shirt because now you got a new color. And when they come back, there's a swagger that they have when they walk onto those mats and, and you can't get that smile off their face. And so that that's that's pretty cool to witness. But, you know, they earn the uh, the right to get that uh, advancement in shirt color. So Nice. So the, the question I have, I'm just kind of curious about it. Mm -hmm. So you talk about competing at the uh, international level. Mm -hmm. How how do you get there and like what what kind of prepares you for that? Like if it if it's not a level and let's say and there's no sensei either, is there? Well, we're referred to as crew. Crew, and, okay, and that just means teacher. Okay, so crew, yeah. Jason, crew, James. Uh, we have some coaches that yeah. aren't at the crew level yet, but they're referred to as coaches. You know, one of the things when I first opened the school is I didn't really want to start a fight team or have a fight promotion or anything like that because that wasn't my jam. My thing was all about um, you know, just instilling all of these values and, and uh, for these, uh, our members and giving them the, 
the ability to train. So once Jason came on board, that kind of changed the game because his whole life has been for 30 years, this guy, he's, he's never held a quote unquote real job. He has been in Muay Thai from, you know, 16 type thing. So, um, so to have that experience and that kind of was like, Hmm, maybe we could. And, and at that point, when he came on board, there were people that saying, Hey, I'd like to compete. And that was outside of my wheelhouse, but I'm like, Jay, is that something that we could look at and we could do? He's like, absolutely. So again, I, I have a, a hyper-organized checklist guy. That's what I do. So it was like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we could look at starting a fight promotion. So that's kind of where that whole thing spurred. And, you know, to your point, if, if people wanted to compete and, and start training to advance outside of our school, there wasn't really a way to do that so um so with this fight show we, we have also a, a sparring series where people can kind of take that first step it's much more controlled it's at 75 percent power so they can test the water and see if this is something they want to do without fully committing because everybody wants to fight till they get punched in the face right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, um, yeah. i'm a big fan of that so yeah. i'm gonna bow out but, but that also on the flip side some people do it and they're like Put me in anybody. <laughs> so, so Jay's really done a tremendous job with creating our fight team. And then I've kind of, um, you know, established the, the business side of it. And we've got the, the Fraser Valley Muay Thai series as our fight promotion. And then uh, we have uh, a full fight show. It's called Muay Thai Gladiators. We're going on to our third show, which is on July 15th here in Chilliwack at the Landing Sports Center. Get your tickets at eventbrite.com. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it, it that that really kind of, uh, the business has been evolving in that regard. We operate them separately from the school, yeah. but it, you know, it does. And we don't have these cards on stack with our people. Like yeah. on this upcoming show, we have one person out of our gym, out of the 10 fights that are on that uh, that's representing our school. So, uh, but it's truly offering a platform for amateur athletes in BC to be able to step up and compete Kind of put their name on the map. That's cool. That's so, where these where these athletes coming from? All over BC. Yeah, yeah. that's great. The islands, uh, the interior, all through the Lower Mainland, and you know, we uh, there was a group of us probably about two and a half years ago during the pandemic. In order to advance Muay Thai in BC, it needed to have a provincial sports organization at the helm. So we had to go through a massive process with the BC Athletic Commission and be a sport um, to get all of our policies and procedures in place and get the support of our NSO, which is our national sports organization, White Side Canada. Um, so we all kind of spearheaded that and, and, and really legitimized the sport in BC because it, it wasn't before it was always modified time which is essentially kickboxing gotcha. right so yeah. you could the, the, the people in bc couldn't really execute what they had been doing and train it was like okay you can fight but you can only do these things so <laughs> for for getting muay thai bc set up as a provincial sports organization that allowed uh, full muay thai rules to be in effect which is a full use of elbows and knees to the face which doesn't sound good but as a spectator it makes sense <laughs> it'd be cool yeah um so yeah and that's just been currently developing and and you know ebbing and flowing through uh again the pandemic and making sure that we're offering the best to the members of muay thai bc so yeah it's been a multi-stage process on many levels just just amazing lots of challenges along the way lots of challenges to come but it, it sounds like there's going to be little wins along the way that that's going to make it work for you yeah so, you know and it's it's obviously perseverance a little bit of stubbornness um uh, but it's stepping up to the challenge and you know opening you know doing our first show uh, like i said i i 
I stress myself out beyond like my poor wife, God bless her. <laughs> you know, she is just, she is my outlet. She's my muse, if you will. So uh, she gets the good, the bad and the ugly, right? Yeah. And she definitely helped me kind of see the forest from the trees through all this and, and keep my focus uh, narrowed and to have a partner in crime like that, where it's like, this is how I'm feeling, blah, blah, blah. I can cry, I can laugh or whatever. And then, <clears throat> but here's what I want to do. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, she helps yeah. kind of, you know, keep me within the realm of reality and, and guides me that way. So I'm very thankful that she's in my corner, but, but yeah, it's a uh, challenges. If you, if you can't adapt to change and aren't willing to rise to the challenge, you get left in the dust. You talk about your wife, your lovely wife being that, I'll just say that, that pillar for you. Yep. So how much has family meant to you as you've been along this journey building this school? You know what? Family to me is the end all be all. I have four sons that are 32, 30, 22, and 18. And these guys, they are the reason I do everything. Like the whole world could just disappear. And as long as I have my wife and my kids and my granddaughter, of course, some other extended family, but you know, they're they're the reason I do everything. They're the reason that I try and work so hard is because I yeah. want success for my family. I want, you know, the, the school and the fight series are kind of turning into a legacy thing for me for these kids because you know 30 40 years i want them to be able to say to their kids and look grandpa you know you yeah do. so yeah. um you know and just these young men have just far surpassed anything that mom and i thought they were going to be or do so yeah to have that just you know that as your focal point you, you can literally do everything if you have the right reason to do it, so and it sounds like you have more than the right reason to be. <laughs> yes yes yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah i want to make them all proud so nice I'm pretty sure they're pretty proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. I only know one of your boys and he's a great kid. So they're, uh, I they're, think you're doing a great They're job. all of the same ilk. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I was previously married, so I have two older boys. And then uh, Sean and I had two sons. And, you know, the, the four of them are thick as thieves. They love each other. They're awesome. moving back. There is a, you know, we're a very affectionate family and, you know, I can't go through a day without getting 10 hugs from all these yeah. people. And that, that just, you know, that makes my heart happy. It's as long as I have that in my corner. You know, no matter how old our kids get, there's like, nothing like that hug from me. It is, you know, like child. Our, the oldest age, he's still in Calgary. So when it, it just, you know, when they see their dad, there's no, they don't got to act cool. They, they yeah. forget everything. They suddenly turn into five-year-olds. And yeah. I remember <laughs> I surprised him at his work one day yeah. and, you know, he was working at a, a car dealership in the service bay, and he was at the far end of the service bay. And I just kind of showed up. And, you know, he was probably in his mid-ish 20s, late 20s. And when he saw me, <laughs> he sprinted, like a <laughs> sprint yeah. to see his dad. He jumped and hugged me and stuff like that. And, you know, that that is that's all I ever need. Right. Yep. So that, that's the type of family we have. So there's strength in that. Yeah. You know, I, I just I just want to say thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, unfortunately, I'm hearing that music again and this episode is coming to an end. I'm wondering just for our listeners, if you'd be kind enough just to, you know, share some parting words that perhaps they can find their own passion. And just from listening to you, uh, get get the same rewards that you have. So any thoughts on that? I have lots of thoughts on that, but I'll try and kind of summarize it. Um, you know what? The core of everything that people do, if you're being a good person, you know, that, that you got to be true to yourself in everything that you do. But if you truly, truly want something, go after it. You're going to fail. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. 
and you know it's it's if, if everything could be a golden pathway with no obstruction life would be too easy so the first time you face adversity it would be very difficult so from experience i've failed twice horribly lost everything and i could have either just accepted that and that's how i was going to be or i was like mm -mm, i know i'm better than i just got to prove it to myself i wasn't trying to prove it to anybody else so that was a, a desire for me. So, you know, I encourage people, if there's something that you truly, truly love and do, go after it and do it, even if there's a risk of it. Wow, it's great parting words. <laughs> great parting words. Thanks again, and you truly are an inspiration to us. Love you, man. Well, thank you, I love you guys too. Thank you very That's much awesome. for having me on. This is, this is great. Remember, take advantage of the moment before the moment takes advantage of you. To learn more about eWalkabout, please visit us at eWalkabout.ca. You haven't changed that yet.